Welcome to the Growing Pains podcast, where we are helping millennials get out of adult adolescence, one candid conversation at a time. I'm your host, Smokey Mustafa. I'm joined by my realest homie, don't get more realer than her, Ann Harrington. Um, and uh, today we're getting nitty gritty again, as we uh, always do. But before that, we got to talk about um, about our dog sightings this week. Um, did you tell me about it? Where did you get? Was it as meaningful, powerful as as last week? Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen um, a few dogs this week out on walks or runs, um, and and I I feel like I'm just being sort of teased by the universe because they're all sort of like in the realm of dogs that I want in real life. Um, so I went to, I, w- I, I got my bike fixed. And I went to pick up my bike. There's this great pit bull that lives at the bike shop. The owner um, of the bike shop also is um, the owner of the pit bull. He's great. Very like, I don't know how a dog that's a foot and a half to always 50 pounds, but it's, you know, and it's all muscle, but it is what it is. Um, I saw a great Dane that hurt my feelings because I would love a great Dane. And then I saw, I saw a couple of golden doodles, which are, they're cool dogs. I don't know that I would want one, but I'm, I'm into the whole, like the hybrid doodle situation for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Anything that doesn't shed. I'm, I'm about that. So. That's the trouble with, with bulldogs for me is yeah. that I love them, but they shed. And that just is, yeah. it just doesn't do, do, do well with me. You're committing to, expense it yeah. like having a, yeah. a line item expense for lint rollers yeah i'm gonna i mean i would have to i would have to get a um the uh the robot uh um vacuum and yeah just run the thing all day long yeah um for me um why do i feel like i saw a really huge dog but i don't remember if it was a dream or in real life this week has been <laughs> really really scant um i haven't seen it i don't I was I was out uh, on Friday night, and I saw this lady had these huge dogs, um, a, a husky, I think two huskies and another one, and I just couldn't remember. But I was I wanted to pet the dogs, but two things: it was dark, mm. darkish. Um, and secondly, I was on the phone with another agent. So I'm like dealing with, it was, I was like, it was, it was not going to happen. And then, so I saw great dogs, but I never got to like, you know, connect, you know, and real quick, I got to ask, do you ever feel like the dog is more important than the owner? Okay. So I'm going to tell you something embarrassing. This is another dog sighting. Um, I was walking, there's this like really nice, like, three mile loop by my house. It's fairly heavily trafficked, really beautiful. And I was walking on it, um, this week, earlier in the week. And I passed these two guys who were walking together and they had a stroller and in the stroller was a pit bull puppy. <laughs> okay. So pink stroller, hot pink stroller to fair. And like, they, they stopped to talk to me, which is the only reason I actually made eye contact with them because they were like asking me where something was. And, um, like pretty burly dudes, like North shore, thick North shore, Massachusetts accents with this hot pink stroller and this little puppy. 
<laughs> and um, Love it. it was pretty great. But, but my point being, I didn't look at them until they spoke to me. I like noticed them, but I was just staring at the dog. And, <laughs> yeah. and I thought later on, because I'm a female and I think this way, like, oh crap, if, if something had happened and, you know, there'd been, we're like kind of out in the middle of nowhere and some kind of dangerous situation happened, I wouldn't have actually been able to tell you what they look like. Like I wouldn't have been able to be like officer guy who stole my purse or whatever, you know, (laughs) it looks like officer. We talked for 15 minutes. They told me the whole life story. Who are they? I don't know. I can't remember. I do not recall. I never made eye contact. I never made eye contact. They had a pink stroller and a dog and, I think one was a little taller than the other, but I, yeah, that was it. So to answer your question, yes, I, uh, okay. To, I do feel like the dog is more important than the person to the point yeah. that I, I smile at the dog and then I yeah. look at the person sort of to see if they'll let me pet yeah. the dog. Yeah. I'm, I'm very irreverent towards dog owners and I, that's a problem. I got to fix that. Right. I need well, to, I need eventually to work gonna on that this, this week. Gotta, exactly. Gotta, I'm, I'm going to work on that this week. Good, good I'm I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say what's up to the dog, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna say what's up to the owner. I can't believe I'm so inhumane. <laughs> I'm an animal. <laughs> I'm a dog. <laughs> Kinship. Uh, okay. Um. So that out the way. Um. And we're we're still on the, this equation for us here. And last last week it got real. And this week, I think, is we'll see what happens. But we're talking about again, like the last week, we talked about experience and reflection without any knowledge and what that creates. Really, it creates fragile communities, um, and and all of that entails. And this week, we're talking about what you get when all you have is knowledge without experience and and reflection. And I'm gonna just be real here. Uh, when we were talking before we started um, recording, you took a bunch of notes and you got like our <laughs> outline for today and I did it. So I don't know <laughs> what we're going to do today. So can, give, give me, give me, give us okay. a rundown of okay. like, where, where we're at. I mean, we got the equation, yep. right? Like it's, we're just talking about knowledge itself. So where, where are we headed today? Okay. So we're talking about, um, we're going to get into different kinds of knowledge we're going to talk about how like this, this whole idea that, yeah, knowledge is the same as wisdom is pretty pervasive in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you and I have talked a lot about this, but just the social media slash Twitter effect. Right. And how that influences how we think, how we, how we think, how we speak, how we engage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about the, the end result of living, living with this kind of, I suppose you just, you can call it like version of wisdom where you really only have a third of the equation, but yeah. Um, yeah having that govern your life, what, what the result of that is. Right. So. Gotcha. So let's get into the Twitter thing. So <clears throat> one of the things that, you know, Here's my my problem with the way that we get information is one that it's 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 really fast and it's also very incomplete. Mm. 
but it also appears to be very credible mm. and and urgent and often. urgent Ur- that's very true that's that's great yeah urgent so i mean you you've got some really clean um like thoughts on this how could just give me an, a sense of like what what's going on with the way that we we're getting information and and what that is doing for us in terms of how that makes us feel like we we quote unquote know like i know a subject i know this i now yeah. understand yeah sure so actually i think there's um you know we t- there's a there's a lot of chatter sort of in the in the zeitgeist about the 24 hour news cycle. Right. Yeah. And if you think about, so we've been at war in Afghanistan for what, 20, almost 20 years. Um, um, a friend of mine who also, he's a, he's a Marine and he was saying he's, he has been on tour in Afghanistan. He said Mm -hmm. one time that he was, thinking about how sad it was that soon we are going to have the first deaths of soldiers in Afghanistan who were born after 9-11 hmm. and how wild that is. Okay. So we wow. have, we've been at war in Afghanistan for nine, 18 years, mm-hmm. 18 years this year, I believe. So um, we can look at that, even just that soundbite, and say, we've been at war in Afghanistan for 18 years. And you can look at a rundown of like what the last year has been some facts of like, here's where it's at. And, and so many people, you know, sort of uh, armchair foreign policy experts are going to go, okay, well then this is what needs to happen because this is what the current numbers are saying. Right. But there's no context of what the last 18 years have been like. There's no context of what, you know, everything that happened since, um, the USSR, you know, right, <laughs> since, right. Like since um, you know that whole their occupation, and then our subsequent attempt to like liberate these countries, and in kind of strange ways that ended up coming to bite us, and you know, um, so we have you have knowledge about um, like a very short set of facts, devoid of context, but that's not like understanding. That's just sort of wrote almost regurgitation of facts and yeah so we we have like and there's there's often a sense of urgency you know everyone feels like they have to be the first one to respond um everyone's got to have a hot take because we sort of believe we sort of like i think we've accepted this idea that the first thing that comes out of your mouth or out of your thumbs as you're typing is the truest representation of uh, what you actually think mm. or believe, which sometimes may be the case. But um, when knowledge is sort of uh, just based on, you talked about it as being almost like coding, like just knowledge itself, or like it's right. like um, <clears throat> this really short term, it's like, you know, calculating. Right. Um, like your brain's a computer and you're just kind of taking in information and spitting information back uh-huh. out when your brain is a computer and that's how we think of it, um, Mm. we're all sitting around waiting for someone's computer to show that it's malfunctioning. Right. So someone, the information that we spit out is indicative of, you know, kind of a bad, a bad machine, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And 
as you're talking, this I, I made this note here earlier on before we started talking, and it's I said this the the speed at which we prescribe what the world is and what we should do about it is too fast, too shallow, and too anxious. And as mm. you're talking, it seems like the, the um what what this now this is a uh, like it's a part of our like zeitgeist that you call it that actually is informing the way that we're um engaging with the world mm-hmm. it it's like creating a false sense of authority on prescribing what the world is and how it sh- and, and how it should be you know for example like you, you talk about the the armchair you know foreign policy expert will say you know what we've been at war for 18 years you know what this is what we need to do Right. This is this is how we got it. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And the urgency. So there's 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 this false sense of authority. And then there's also this urgency. And, and urgency is usually I, mean, I don't know. You tell me urgency usually comes from uh, like fear. Yeah. Right? So it's like this thing is urgent. But the the fear behind that is is the emotion that needs to be attended to. And that really is yeah. where we need to focus our attention on. Right. That's that's yeah. what, like you said, gives us the context. Right. So. There's this quote I was reading from the um, an article. Uh, you talked about calculating, right? You know, this idea of thinking is like code. It just when all your when when all you care about is is data and information, like it, it says, humans act like machines in calculative thinking. Thinking of that's merely about processes. You know, mm-hmm. humans act like machines, albeit possibly extremely smart machines, devoid of emotion, or more precisely. Uh, devoid of the experience of emotion. Um, calculative thinking might think that it is acting wisely, but it has no capacity for recognizing uh, genuine wisdom. And so, you know, it's, it's, I, I think what's, what was that, what was that quote from? It was this, uh, it was uh, an article I was reading about Heidegger <laughs> and his, uh, the, the, his, and how his idea of calculative thinking and, and, and essential thinking and, and also this uh, like perspectival thinking and the, when it comes to this idea of when all we look at is that because I'm able to be, if, because I'm able to describe the world, therefore I know um, how the world should work. Mm. I would say it's a non sequitur, mm-hmm. but that's what calculative thinking does. Right? It, it, you get the sense that because you, can describe you can prescribe so i it's like the so we're talking about the analogy of coding it's the webmd effect i go to webmd yeah. i i have uh, i have some sif, sniffly nose and uh so i type in so webmd what are your symptoms and i say i got some i got a sniffly nose um my throat is dry you know my bald head is sensitive and uh you know um uh, my neck hurts i put all of that in and then now it tells me that I have pancreatic syphilis. I don't know if that's a thing, right? <laughs> I don't think it is, but we'll go with it. Right. <laughs> um, because I'm, I, I can describe my symptoms, but that doesn't mean that I can prescribe like my solution, mm. right? But that's what this idea of when you don't have the experience or, or reflection, you, you, you get this false sense of authority in, in that you can actually prescribe how the world should be based just because you you're able to um, 
describe what it is. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but you know, we were um, in, in the article I was reading, there's a, a story or not a story, but there's uh, a, uh, an extended quote from Heidegger about this idea of um, knowing and understanding, right? Where he talks about a clock, right? And I'm just going to read the whole thing. I'm going to put, I'm going to use my, you know, late night DJ FM voice, FM DJ okay. voice. So, you know, I hope it'll be appealing. But it's talking about a clock and, and, and I'll just read it and then, you know, help, help, help me make sense of it. But it's, it goes like this. Um, when you open a clock and examine it, where is time? All right. At the level of, of thingness, if you pull a functioning clock to pieces, and put it back together again, either in the same configuration or in a different one, but nevertheless functioning configuration, then clearly you understand it. But can you be said to know it? Knowing it entails experiencing it as, as meaning. The clock itself either has as a as 100 separate parts or as 100 parts linked together is no more than a thing. It makes no sense to know a clock, but it, it's perfectly possible to understand a clock but when the work, the clock works, it signifies something else, the present becoming the past or the future becoming the present. Um, and so, you know, that's all well and good, Mogi Musao, Mr. Late Night FM DJ, but what, what does that mean? And it seems like that just because you can understand the parts of a thing or an event or an experience doesn't mean that you understand the, the whole of what it it either means or mm. or what it it signifies, mm-hmm. and and that's where you know the the you know Twitter University of the world misses out is the inability to see how all of the pieces fit to create a whole bigger meaning, and and and, and in fact now then and then being able to reflect on that big larger meaning what it means for like this one part or piece that is being, you know, that's under scrutiny or, or being uh, highlighted. And, and then, and then that's when you can get down to being prescriptive. I think Hmm. that's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're saying that the prescriptive part, so the actionable part is having, having understood the layers, not just, not just a superficial layer of like, component parts but understanding like um the whole is greater than the sum of its parts understanding the whole right yeah right exactly okay. exactly so you understand the, the the whole you i mean it's just you you understand the you have an idea of the thing you have then an understanding of the context in which the thing um is is real i guess or that it obtains and hmm i think the next piece is then there's the thing, the context, and then there's where do I fit into that? Mm. Okay, yes. That's then the next the next level. This is this is important because I think when we when we we're in our pre-interview, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> we were talking about we have these different Heidegger talks about the different layers of meaning he's or of thinking. He talks about calculated thinking, which is mm-hmm. what we've just been talking about, the facts and data sort of processing really um, Mm -hmm. short term, not very deep. Then essential thinking, which is more slow, thoughtful 
and like analytical synthesis of information. Yeah. Essential thinking. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, with a sort of like layers of understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we talked about also how essential thinking is, it is essential um, to wisdom, <laughs> right? Um, it's sort of a higher knowledge, yeah. but it's, it's not sufficient, right? right. It's, um, you know, like there's, have been plenty of philosophers and continue to be plenty of philosophers and theologians and whatever that spend a ton of time in essential mm-hmm. thinking and yes. maybe even, it, uh, but they're not, um, but they're still in isolation, right? You can do that yeah. and never right. leave your right. office or your study or your library, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and also, I mean, part, and I, I'm, I'm going to be very honest here and say that what we're like, where we're like, where we're going now is not what I think Heidegger was getting at when he wrote all of this stuff. Like sure. those are okay. just helpful. It's a helpful diagnostic, right. Mm. To at least get, get at the, to, to be able to frame the, the point, yep. but where where we're getting at it looks like is and and I say that because honestly I don't I don't really know what Heidegger was getting at and I'm not saying that because like he's he's dumb or anything like that but I honestly have not read like enough Heidegger to be able to say that I know what he's what he's talking about mm. right I do know these tools enough to where I think they can be helpful in in making a point without also betraying the the uh, the I think the larger context of maybe even like Heidegger's thought right so I think you know and and if and you know what if if I'm wrong then you know I I'm 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 open to being being uh corrected which is which is okay but that's the whole point right that's like I'm not over here trying to are certainly read up on Heidegger and can correct us so look You would be surprised if you can see like two burly like North Shore dudes with a pink stroller and with a baby pit bull, th- then the the Heidegger person will come and and, uh, and 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 will come in a flurry. And so like, but if that's the case, then that's fine. I, I'm I'm totally cool with that. And and I want to be corrected. Um. And but that be beside the point. I just wanted to make that point mm. because I I don't want someone I don't want it to seem like I'm. I'm interpreting Heidegger to say like the, to make the larger point that we're trying to make. No, that's great. I think because I think that would be a great example of living by a knowledge only. Um, that's role. right. Yeah. That's what, that's where you're here. And yeah, that that's would be, that'd be a great example, right? You've, you've taken in the information, you've sort right. of switched it around in your brain for a little bit. Right. And then you just adapt it to, fit whatever yes. you know whatever make it come out of your mouth however like you want to apply it basically right right send it through the brain computer and you get what you want yeah where would this show be without you <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know if it'd be less rambly or more rambly it's hard to say um yeah but no i think that's i think one of the, yeah the the problem with stopping with even what we're talking about or Heidegger are us being Heidegger 2.0. Uh, 
Maybe it's regressive though. It's not, it's, he's, he's the 1.0 and we're the 0.0. I don't know. We're not taking this forward very far, but (laughs) backwards, possibly forward. Surely not. Um, but he has the calculated thinking and the essential Mm -hmm. thinking Mm -hmm. and neither of those are sufficient for knowledge because not, or or for wisdom, wisdom, I'm sorry. Um, neither of them are sufficient because as we've said, wisdom requires reflection and experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and ultimately wisdom is functional and it's meant to be lived, lived out in the world. Yeah. Lived out in relationships and community in the workplace, in your day-to-day life. And you can't, you can't practice wisdom in isolation. Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting. You, you made an interesting point about the irony of the isolation that comes from being an authority in yourself in that the, the desire is actually for connection. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole point of social media is it's social, right? So usually we're Twitter is, I'm sure like, Twitter is what 30% were laughing at memes and the remaining 70 is we're being upset about things together, you know? So there's, there's a connection. There's like a, Mm. you know, kind of superficial humor connection. And then there's a connection over some kind of grievance or complaint, Mm -hmm. which is a real connection, but it doesn't stave off loneliness. It doesn't deal with any of that. It's, um, as, as I was saying before, like um, we're wait, we're always waiting for someone to say the wrong thing so that we can call them out, which inherently mm-hmm. means that there's a loss of connection, right? Ah. So this this way of engaging ends up like we we sort of arm ourselves with knowledge and you know with the like the pithy hot take because we want to be perceived as you know, smart, as engaged, mm-hmm. as clever, as yeah. quick, as in, yeah. you know, incisive and insightful, um, mm-hmm. all of these things that our ego needs to feel in order to feel valued right? and to feel mm-hmm. like people want us and to feel right. you know, a sense Man, of belonging. This is crazy. <clears throat> but it ends up resulting in criticism, in rejection. You're inevitably going to be wrong because you're human and I don't care how good your computer is, it's still got glitches, you know? And so it often it results in isolation that fast that quick thinking and then if you're in if you're kind of engaged in more essential thinking as we've interpreted it to mean um like like i was saying before you can do that from the comfort of your office chair and never Mm. leave this is wild because it's (sighs) which and just sorry i'm going to finish no this thought real quick because it's just sort of completed itself in my head, but uh, the, the not the leaving the office chair, not ever leaving, I think is it's partly a fear of rejection. You know, what mm. if people find out I'm not as smart as I feel like I am Man. in this moment. Um, and then also a fear of failure of what if I am wrong and my whole philosophy doesn't work or what if I'm, what if it doesn't, what, what if it's not marketable? you know yeah what if it doesn't work what if it doesn't it's not functional and people don't um appreciate it that's wild and 
so earlier you sent me a um an article about just the fears the human fears and just from that that one uh, your your reflection there you named like four different fears the fear of rejection mm-hmm. the fear of um be, losing belonging mm-hmm. fear of um and here they call it ego death but fear of shame yeah. or some yeah. kind of self uh what is it how do they say it self profound uh self dis- disapproval yep right and yeah, and I was I was talking with with, with a friend last night, and I've, I've, I've you know said before is like one of the things that I, I learned from one of my mentors was that like he, he one of the things he said is like man Moki when I when I talk I want people to feel what I'm saying, mm. not just to hear what I'm saying, but I want you to feel what I'm saying mm-hmm. because like a, like wisdom attends to the fact that a lot of our like behind a lot of our knowledge is a fear of something. Yeah, and there is the. The, the to be able to know a thing and the context in which a thing comes comes into being or comes comes about or it's or it's meaning is 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 important and then knowing where i fit into that is the next is is that higher plane yes. you yeah. know in in uh in all philosophy religion or i don't know like what the the world without whatever the world you're looking at right um AI, for example, like there's this, um, there's always a, the, the goal of, of, uh, of knowledge is to be an, like either a liberated being or an enlightened being or a, to be just complete is, mm. is to be able to see the, like you, you have a knowledge of the world, of the parts in, in, in it and yourself and where, how they all fit together. Well, and that's what we're always striving for. And is important the and I, I, for me I in psychology we call it integration. There, see, I'm telling you, there you go. That's yeah. why, like I said, and where would the show be without you? Nowhere is is the answer. But it's like I think one of the the aspects of I'm gonna call it Eastern thought. Like you can call it Buddhism or whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, and I, I don't mean that you know like disrespectfully. I'm I, I I'm I don't know what other word to use. I'm trying to use a respectful word. Um, and there's this sense in which the closer you get to be, a, being able to understand, quote unquote, everything, then like the further off it, it becomes. So it's mm. like, I, I, I finally understand. And then, and then, but then the next thing happens, right? <laughs> Isn't right? that the, true? The, wow. the next thing happens and it's like, oh man, I didn't. And then, and then the next thing happens, the next thing happens. But, and this is what's I think super cool is then like wisdom is actually that trail behind you as the next thing is happening. Mm. Because like it, that was a point in which, in which there was some integration between all of those things, the, the world uh, uh, outside of me, the, the experiences outside of it, like me in that world, like there was a point in which that made sense, but I'm mm. no longer there. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Man, I yeah, I don't know. I got pretty excited about that. Mm, I love that analogy. No, that's that's really good. And I think, um, and I think the way that and I, so you're completing sentences in your own head. It's also happening over here. Yep. Yeah, I think that the 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 reason I I I said I appreciate it in 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 Eastern thought is is just the ways in which they describe that phenomenon. Is I think just it's very. Um, artistic, not in like a like. Oh, this doesn't make sense. But there's a there's a certain beauty to it that 
just you know i don't it just it doesn't like it, it just doesn't get at me you know with some of the like reading heidegger for example although heidegger yeah. can be quite you know uh, <laughs> quite compelling but that's that's the only reason why i mentioned the eastern thought because there's like that beauty there that that really makes yeah um is really compelling yeah well that's really good i think um um there's there i was it, it brought to mind i went for a hike two weekends ago with some friends and it was like medium challenging. And there was a couple of times where, um, it looked like the, the trail split and it wasn't marked which way you're supposed to go. So we stand there and we're going like, okay, which way, which way looks more worn? You know, we know they, we know that there's only one trail that we're supposed to be following to the top, mm-hmm. to the summit and which way is it supposed to go? And in, um, a lot of times, when you're hiking, there'll be these little game trails that, you know, animals have worn down over time. And often the trail that you're following follows the game trail. So, you know, to kind of look for that, like, okay, this looks, this looks worn down. Um, and I'll follow it, which is like, you have this knowledge, this context in your head of like, I know, I know that this will probably work. This is, this will probably get there. But then, you know, so there was a couple of times where we'd follow, like I followed it, you know, two of us would go one way and, you know, two of us would go the other way. And then we shout to each other. Okay. I think it's this way. So there's a couple of times where I ended up on the game trail that ends up going down, like kind of um, it's still there, but it's under all of this brush. That's really mm-hmm. thick on top. Mm. And there's no way I'm not going to belly crawl, you know, through some brush that I don't know what it is. I'm not period. You know, I don't, don't care if I know what it is. I'm not doing it. And so that's the point where it's like, okay, well, this, all this stuff that I, that I know to look for, it's not working. So, but I have the path worn behind me. I'm going to retrace that mm-hmm. and maybe, and find a better way. Yeah. You know, it's always searching. Yep. Yeah. Always searching. Yeah. I don't know that old cliche, you know, the, what is it? The, it's not the, it's not the destination. It's the journey. That's right. important. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh, yep. So at, at this point it it seems like we gotta come up with some kind of upshot, right? So so what, right? Like, you know, if all you care about is knowledge, you become that armchair theologian, the armchair philosopher, the armchair foreign policy expert, the armchair mm. financial advisor, the armchair everything, you know, and the reason you're on the armchair, you know the armchair designation is not one that's, you know, a mark of prestige. That's ironically, you get all this information just to be someone who is disqualified because you have no experience. Right. You literally, you sit the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> Sitting in the same place. I'm wrangling kids here. <laughs> our our um, audience, I think just went up 10%. <laughs> Train. What I think is actually, you know, you're like I said, where would this show be without you? And nowhere. So we got to hear from you. You got to sign us off. But what I think is an upshot is how do you, how then do you um, get on the path to wisdom? Is I think what things pointed out a few times talking today is that um, knowledge alone does not attend to the fact that. A lot of our motivations are driven by fear. Yes. Right. So part of it is being able to 
is, is being able to recognize what are the fears that I have that, that are motivating me here and also understand where those fears are in relation to like that experience. Yeah. To where those fears are in relation to the the world at large or the con the, the, the wider context, and then where those and then those fears in relation to myself. Okay. I'll just start I'll I'll just start by saying like we're not very good at knowing when we're afraid because um especially I think American culture is very sort of macho and we, d- we just don't talk about fear, right? Fear is a weakness. We're not right. going to talk about it. Right. Um, so we're de- definitely not as people very attuned to that. Um, one thing I'll say from personal experience, I am someone, I'm not on Twitter because I value my sanity, but even the engagement that I have over say Instagram I do a lot of engaging over Instagram, but um, around like politics and, you know, world issues and stuff like that. But I am someone who I get, I get frustrated and angry really quickly um, in, on those, you know, platforms. And um, one thing I'm, I'm trying to learn to do, and I think both, both in that, both on social media and in my personal life, working, I'm trying to work really hard at interrogating my anger because often behind <clears throat> interrogating is the wrong word, investigating my anger. Right. Um, because often behind anger is some kind of fear, like we've right. just talked about, you know. Um, sometimes it's fear for what could happen to someone else if, you know, such and such policy is enacted. Um, but often, you know, often it's very egocentric fears too. So I think starting with, okay, I'm noticing I'm feeling like, Ooh, my temperature's rising. Like I've got that twisted up feeling in my chest or my gut where I'm just like upset. And I'm mad at this person that I haven't talked to in, in, you know, face to face in three years because they're like saying something douchey in response to something I've said. And, Oh my gosh, they're so uninformed. So I'm, I'm mad at them, but really I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at what they represent and what they represent as some kind of threat. So understanding like what, what that threat is to me, what fear it's tapping into. um, I think that's where we have to start. And then only then can we like address like how, how do we move past those fears? You know, Um, I don't know if that fully answers your question. That's like on a, on a personal level. And then I think on a, on a societal level, I wish, I wish that we would do that um, Mm. in our, like how we, have discourse around all kinds of big issues. You know, it's like yeah. if it takes place in, um, we can't separate emotion from how we process. We just can't. Yeah. We're not actually computers. We're deceiving ourselves if we think that we are. So why not just acknowledge it rather than trying to banish it? Yeah. And then actually have some kind of productive conversation. And, and even as you were talking, I just reminded, like, you know, just even preparing for, you know, recording this episode today, reading Heidegger, I was like, you know, as I was reading more and more, I was like, wow, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I want to actually talk about this because the more I was reading, the more I was realizing, man, I really just don't understand this, right? I got <laughs> the idea from listening on a podcast and I was like, and then I, I investigated it myself and the more I investigated it, the more I was like, wow, okay, this is more complicated than I thought. 
I can arrive. There is a level of understanding I can arrive at, and it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is intellectual humility mm. of th- that comes from the intellectual humility that that comes from just realizing I don't know this, mm. or or I don't know it the, as well as I thought I I mm-hmm. I did. Like that, like there are there there are other emotions that come from that. That you know, just it's again, it's 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 a process. It's it's the journey. It's like it's that you know, the, going back to you know your the trail analogy or your trail experience. Like when I heard the whole Heidegger thing while I was driving on a podcast, I like it made sense. It like there was a lot of integration there that was happening, and then I come to try and actually get at it. I'm like, dang it, like it, this isn't it. But the, and then there's there are going to be more experiences along the way that are going to contribute to the process of of knowing just a, a little bit better, right? Yeah. And 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 I, even now, it's the process of knowing better, not just more, because more knowledge is not the antidote to knowledge. Mm, yeah. And so it's an it's. Knowing better is is knowing, is the is 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 where knowledge and data are integrated with the world outside, and my own personal experience of that world and 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 where I am inside of that. That's better knowledge. So that's that that's that's what I think. Um, that's I think a better way forward. Okay, so. Yeah, not not just more information, but but better synthesis of the information that we have, better and and better um, better application. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Test and retest. I think um, are to reference. Uh, we have an illustration of this going on right now, but like, it's okay to have outtakes in your life. <laughs> yeah, man, that's. It's a, <laughs> You know, it's, it's human. I think that that fear of failure of getting it wrong, of being caught getting it wrong, that's just inevitable. That's, and the more vocal you are, the more public your wrongness is going to be. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, Max. Max agrees. This dude is on something else. So it's been fun. And like I said, this mm. we will be nowhere without without you guide us, guiding us along. It's been uh, another um, exciting iteration of the Growing Pains podcast. I'm your host, Moki Musal, joined by the real, the real host of the show, or the real captain of the ship here, <laughs> Anne Harrington. Um, first mate, thank- baby. First, <laughs> okay, there you go, um, Anne Harrington. It's been it's been pretty awesome. Thanks so much. We'll catch y'all next time. <laughs>